Welcome to Discovering You, a podcast that explores the intricacies of personality and how it impacts the way we navigate through life. What will you discover today? Hi, listeners. Hi, Heather. Hi. Today's episode is all about agreeableness, its connection to personality, and what it can predict for our job choice and success. Before we dive into that, though, let's do the monthly DISC analogy. It's October, so can you guess what the theme will be? If you said DISC according to Halloween, you would be right. I'm going to look at costumes. High D is going to be a villain. Daring, going for some shock value. I'm thinking maybe Darth Vader. High I, celebrity. Somebody who's likable, fashionable. Lady Gaga and Katy Perry usually inspire some great costumes. For high S, a firefighter or a nurse, representing people and professions that help others. And high C, a witch or a ghost, mysterious and calculating. Heather, did you have a favorite costume growing up? And are you someone that still dresses up as an adult? I absolutely did not have a favorite costume growing up. And I do not uh, enjoy dressing up as an adult. How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> I can't even remember being anything for Halloween growing oh up. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I did because I went trick-or-treating for years longer right. than I should have. But <laughs> I had more to do with my sugar addiction than anything. That's so funny. Okay, well, I love a theme, as you can probably tell from the disc analogies at the beginning of each episode. And honestly, my family and friends aren't always excited about dress-up parties as I am. But on occasion, they do cooperate. I once had a Downton Abbey theme party. We all dressed as our favorite characters from the show. And we totally brought our A-game to that one. (laughs) Okay, back to agreeableness. I always want to say agreeability. Bear with me if I say that. Apparently, that's not the correct way. It is agreeableness. If I were to ask you how agreeable you are, would you be able to answer readily? Let's have a look at what it means. People who are high in agreeability tend to get along with others, are helpful and considerate, display sensitivity, and have higher levels of social and emotional intelligence. They are able to de-escalate conflict, give others the benefit of the doubt, are collaborative and emotionally supportive. They're empathetic, they work well on a team, and they're successful at mentoring others. Sounds great, right? But does that mean it's bad news for those who are low, therefore closer to disagreeable? No, there are advantages to being low. For instance, those who score low in agreeableness thrive in higher pressure environments where the pace is quick and where conflict may be present. They also tend to have higher incomes. Isn't that interesting? I guess when you think about something quintessentially frantic and stressful, I'm thinking stockbrokers on the floor of the exchange, that part would check out. Listeners, are you curious to discover where you are on the agreeableness scale? You can go to truity.com and then test how agreeable you are. We're going to have a link in the show notes. But to give you a sense of the questions, I'm going to read out a few and you can figure out how you would answer. You're going to be answering on a five-point scale, so it's going to move from inaccurate all the way to accurate. Question one, I believe that others have good intentions. Question two, I love a good fight. Three, I get back at others. Four, I trust what people say. 
Okay, so I'm going to tell you how I answered these questions. Heather, are you game? Absolutely. You're so brave. (laughs) Okay, for the first one, believing in others having good intentions. I answered mostly accurate. What did you answer, Heather? I answered neutral. Okay. I think people think their intentions are good. (laughs) I know what you mean, and I touch (laughs) on this a little bit later, too. Okay, fair enough. For the loving a good fight question, I said mostly inaccurate. I don't love conflict, and I would rather avoid it. But honestly, I find it difficult to refrain from addressing something that really needs to be said, in my opinion, or rectified. So for instance, if I think someone's really off base, and especially if that they're directing that onto somebody else, it's really tough for me not to jump in. Yeah, I said inaccurate. Okay. I do not love a good fight or any fight. Mm-hmm. I do not like conflict <laughs> whatsoever. But something would have to be really harmful to myself or others. And if I'm at all honest here, animals more so than people, like I feel like people can defend themselves mm. in situations, but it would have to be something pretty desperate for me to jump in. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you on the animals thing. That's totally me too. Okay. This one's interesting. <laughs> Getting back at others. I answered, <laughs> have to be honest here, I answered mostly inaccurate because I am a Scorpio. Kind of tongue in cheek, but those of you who know <laughs> things about Scorpios, we tend to not let things go too easily. I'm the opposite. I'm a Pisces. <laughs> so I answered inaccurate again. I okay. don't really have it in me to get back at people. I'm more likely to be like, and we're done and walk away. Okay. But that'd be the end of it as well. Fair enough. I mean, that's, I think, a healthier approach. And certainly as I've gotten older and more mature, I, you know, realize that when I was a teenager and in my early 20s, like, oh, yeah, different story. (laughs) Not that this is about horoscopes, but both my sisters are Scorpios. So I completely understand. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. I have this cute little clutch that my mom bought me and she actually got them for all the girls in the family. And it's got like a little hashtag on it. So depending on your styles. For my daughter, who's an Aries, I think it was like hashtag the best. And of course, for me being a Scorpio, it's hashtag you will regret that. (laughs) Feels like my whole childhood. (laughs) Oh, no, poor Heather. A Pisces among Scorpios. Anyway, like I said, I think I'm my more evolved self as I'm older, but you got to love that one. All right. So the last one is I trust what people say. I had a hard time answering this one. And so I picked neutral right in the middle. I really do believe that most people have good intentions. But that isn't to say that they can't go awry or make misguided decisions. I believe they believe what they are saying is the best or right thing. But I may feel skeptical if I think that I have different information, which is why I'm not going to trust unequivocally. Hello, there's my high C. (laughs) I picked neutral again. I answered it based on the fact that I don't typically trust people blindly, but I do tend to trust people until they give me a reason not to. Right. Overall, I ended up with a generally high agreeableness score. Not the highest one you could have, but overall, I got high agreeableness. How about you? What was yours, Heather? Mine was average, uh, which was higher than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we talked about this. It's not necessarily what we were expecting, the whole agreeableness thing. I guess I thought it was sort of like, you know, people who are just debating, who always want to get into something and give you the contrary position. And and I thought it might be a little bit of that, but it turned out not really to be. 
I am going to get into this a little bit more. And I think it's worth mentioning, and this is a theme that runs throughout this Discovering You podcast, there's always a flip side. For something that may be your greatest strength, there is a counterbalance that could present your toughest challenge. While it may seem great to be high in agreeableness, it can also be a struggle to assert your preferences, uh, to set boundaries, put yourself first, things like that. Okay, to get into this in more detail, agreeableness is comprised of six facets. The first one is trust, which is defined as the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. People who are high in agreeableness are likely to assume that other people have good intentions and mean well. They are slow to make judgments, and they are often unconditional in their care for others. This sounds great, right? But can you have too much trust? Depending on your vantage point, you may see this differently. Next is honesty, which is fairness and straightforwardness of conduct. People who are high in this are sincere and regarded as genuine. They rarely feel the need to behave in a manner that could be manipulative in order to get a desired result. This is tricky, though, because there is such a thing as being brutally honest. We'll dive into this when looking at how these facets line up with the disc factors. Altruism, which is defined as unselfish regard or devotion to the welfare of others. People high in agreeableness are very altruistic. They don't tend to help others because they feel obligated to, but because they want to. They don't regard it as self-sacrificing, and they feel great fulfillment by contributing in this way. Next, we have cooperation, which is explained as the actions of someone who is being helpful by doing what is wanted or asked for. People who are highly cooperative will often go out of their way to avoid confrontations with others. They prefer the role of peacemakers, but in doing so, they may compromise their own wants and needs. Moving on to the next one, modesty, which is the quality of not being too proud or confident about yourself or your abilities. Those who score high on agreeableness are modest in nature. They're humble, and they would be uncomfortable singing their own praises. Again, there's a duality here. This trait is good to a point, but if taken to an extreme, it can show up as low self-esteem. Finally, we have sympathy, which is described as the act or capacity of sharing the feelings of another person. It's natural for sympathetic people to feel care and concern for others without being prodded to see it or react to it. As with all of these facets, having too much of it can be detrimental. If you're always worrying and feeling sad about others, it can be incapacitating. All right, now as I'm prone to do, I mapped out how the facets of agreeableness line up with the combination of high and low disc factors. Here's what I came up with for trust. I think eyes are the highest in trust. They wear their hearts on their sleeves, they're vulnerable, and they want to see the best in everyone. Hi, eyes, I love you for this. <laughs> C's would be the lowest. They are cautious, skeptical, and need to see proof or evidence that what is being stated is in fact true. This lines up with my profile, and I think for yours too, Heather. Yeah, absolutely. Honesty. Well, I think D's are going to be the highest for this. Remember, they are known to be direct, also known as blunt, and are very focused on goals and results. They don't feel the need to sugarcoat things. Remember earlier I mentioned the scale and I said that one could be brutally honest? Hi, hi, Ds. That'd be you. <laughs> C's are going to be the lowest on this. Now, this isn't implying that C's are dishonest. They're just not going to be full disclosure right off the bat. They're introspective and cerebral. So not being super forthcoming is more about that versus willfully withholding the truth. Altruism. 
Any guesses? If you're thinking high S, I agree. High S's overwhelmingly flock to helping professions such as nurses, teaching, counseling. It's in their nature to care for the well-being of others. The lowest factor on this one would be D. D's are drawn to action, excitement, results. They get a charge out of seeing things happen quickly. This doesn't really align with altruistic behavior, which is not to say they aren't capable of it. They're just not naturally drawn to it. Cooperation. Like altruism, I think S is highest here. Descriptors for people high in steadiness are amiable, patient, supportive. And as we saw with altruism, S's enjoy being helpful. So we have a complete matchup again, because I believe that D would be the least cooperative of the factors. This is not necessarily a bad thing. Ds are often leaders and innovators because they think outside of the box and they chart new courses. Moving on to modesty. For this one, I think that Cs would be the highest. Remember that Cs value information, research, data, so they are unlikely to make grandiose statements or toot their own horn, so to speak, without backup. Eyes would be the lowest on this facet. Their spontaneity and willingness to be vulnerable and express their emotions contributes to that. And finally, sympathy. You probably won't be surprised that I think S is the highest. Again, the supportive nature coming through and Ds would be the lowest. So these aren't set in stone, just my musings on how they likely stack up. Hopefully what you'll take away is that there are always two sides. Being sympathetic is wonderful and a powerful tool to connect with others. But being too sympathetic can get in the way of your own progress. I want to touch on something that comes up repeatedly when I'm working with teams. As an example, a person who is high in steadiness and compliance, and for today's agreeableness theme, cooperation, is often very frustrated by their coworkers who display low cooperation, low steadiness, and low compliance. It's very easy for us to see the way that we do things as the right way, even the only way. We know it works for us. So we believe that this is the correct way, and we get frustrated by someone else challenging it. Our inner dialogues are building cases as to why our way is the best. The problem is that while we're building our case, reconfirming what we already know, our guard is up, and we may miss out on seeing the benefits of the counter viewpoint. With the disc factors and the trait of agreeableness, there is no right or wrong combination, meaning having a high D or I is not better than having a high S or C. And the same goes for agreeability. What I will say is that these factors come into play when we look at the fit to the job role. And this ties into our listener question. So I'm going to address it earlier than normal as it's a great example of what I'm talking about. This week's listener question is, how do people with different disc styles solve problems together? Someone on my team always wants to figure it out later, whereas I always want to sort it out and strategize right away. Mm, thanks for this question. I know that many people struggle with this exact scenario. So I mentioned fit to role. I'm going to guess that the person who wants to figure it out later is the, quote, idea person. Perhaps this person is someone in a leadership role. Leaders have to look at the big picture and not get derailed by smaller details along the way. If they paid attention to everything that could be an obstacle, they would struggle to move forward. Now, should that leader or idea person have checks and balances? Absolutely. And that's where the implementer, our listener, comes in. Sometimes it's the not-so-fun job of the implementer to give the idea person the cold shower of reality. The successful interplay of these two styles is essential. 
When done effectively, this is a magic combination. We have the creativity, vision, new ideas, typically DI profile, marrying the strategy, details, and the implementation plan, the SC profile. When not done effectively, initiatives never get off the ground, and the idea person blames the implementer for poking too many holes in their vision. Or it gets off the ground, but it isn't up to the standard it should be, and then the implementer blames the idea person for disregarding the details. Does any of this sound familiar? (laughs) So how is it done effectively? The first step is a mutual understanding and respect of the different personality and work styles. When I'm doing a workshop or facilitation, I start with the premise that we speak different languages. Let's say I'm speaking French, but you speak Italian. We're not going to get very far, are we? But we move on to a mutual language that we can all speak, the language of DISC. This approach is about depersonalizing the situation. It's much easier to be protective about our views and defensive to hearing feedback when we feel it is directed at us personally. But when we separate ourselves from it and use our profiles, it opens up a new platform for communication. When we learn about what drives the different behavioral styles, the different motivators and fears of each disfactor, it's easier to hone in on what's actually happening. For example, instead of saying to your colleague, I think you should provide more data up front, you might say, My high C really needs to see some more information so I can wrap my head around that. This reminds your coworker of your DISC style and that your intention is simply to gather as much information as you can before you make a decision. This helps your colleague realize that you're not rejecting their idea, but that this is just your process. I'm going to recommend an exercise for you and your teammate that I find helpful. It involves forced empathy. Let me explain. You want the other person to see the nitty-gritty of your decision-making process. You want them to be able to take a walk in your shoes. So, you do a role reversal. Each of you takes the other's viewpoint. You establish a set amount of time, and you commit to getting on board with their view. This could and should involve some effort, even research. Then you meet, and each of you makes a case, so to speak, for the other person's idea. Watch what happens when you are representing your opposition's perspective. There's something in the chemistry of taking on a viewpoint that changes your feeling about it. I guarantee that each of you will see things a little differently, and this will open up some space for you to meet in the middle. Thanks again for a great question, which I'm sure is relatable to many. If you're interested in booking Victoria for a speaking engagement or team facilitation, contact her at discoverwhatworks.org. Thanks for listening. Remember, send in your questions to be featured on a future episode and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app.